You are listening to the CBA Podcast, brought to you by Chapman Basketball Academy. Your hosts are Terry Massey, Max Johansson, and Joe Chapman. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, basketball season's counting down, I think, girls tonight, and then one more week left, and then we're into sectionals and regionals and all the fun stuff that gets you to Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes by so fast, like the season. Like, I still remember, like, they just coming in the gym, you know, working out and doing stuff. It's like, boom, like, they right back, sectional, regionals, and, you know, states. It's, like, right around the corner. So it's like, damn, it happens so fast, the season's Like, it's good that you can watch so many games online that you can still support, you know, so many different kids, but it goes fast. So I hope all these 24 class people kind of enjoy the so, last. So ride. many milestones, so many record, records, uh, school records, and so many, I can't believe the thousand point scores that are out there. It's so easy to we get a thousand well, points. We have like one a week like. now. Yeah, <laughs> one every week. We got it just in our 24 class, our boy on the boys side, we probably got four guys who will be the all time leading scores for their high school. Um, I think Isaiah Allen will be the last one. He's pretty close with Milwaukee Lutheran. Um, obviously, Michael at Grafton, um, Tim at Homestead, and Nolan at Marquette High. So to have four guys to be the all-time leading scorers, we don't want to take this 24 class for granted, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. What do you attribute that to? Isn't it? Didn't they add some minutes? I, I think I they added some – I think they added some games. Gotcha. Like, we – they play like three or four extra more games than I did 20 years ago, but uh, they play more games now. Um, and more states play different games too. I was talking to Max a little bit before this about it. And I think some of it is too. You see a lot of, uh, on the girls say at least they're seeing a lot of zone defenses and these <laughs> girls can, can just light it up. You know, Homestead Cedarburg, for instance, Homestead saw a zone for the whole game and, you know, they lit it up from yeah. three. It definitely has to do with the advancement of the game. Like even when yeah, I was in yeah. high school, graduating in 2014, like we were playing games. It was like 40 to 35. We're like, oh, that's great basketball. Like, <laughs> have 45 second possessions, and we're still like dealing with some of that now. But you'll see yeah. some of the North Shore games. It's 90 to 85. It's yeah. 85 to 80. So yeah, the, the skill level. The skill level improves so is, much. But they got so many different things that we didn't have growing up. I mean, it's skills trainers. If you really want to get better, every day you can skill train. And we got our guest, Steve Becker, here today. Uh, so many kids that come in and, and do skills and drills and do what he does with athlete performance and uh, working on their bodies. It's like a year-round thing. So when they when it's time for them to go to their high school, like they've been doing this like, for, forever. So their skill and their bodies are way more advanced than 20 years ago. Yeah, back in the day, all we had is a Saturday morning camp that my pops would run at Grafton, and <laughs> we'd go in there and, you know, run some drills, but yeah, not yeah. an everyday, you know, shooting that these guys do and girls do here today. Right, right. Totally different. Um, so, yeah, you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, so you've been listening. Uh, our guest, very excited to have him. Um, pretty great information I'm looking forward to. Uh, Steve Becker, owner of Athletes Performance, is with us. Uh, Steve, why don't you start out by talking a little bit of what you do, how you got into it, and uh, what you do here at Athletes. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I started um, as a kinesiology major, went to TWM, and um, actually it was funny, I just spoke at Career Day yesterday at Whitefish Bay, so I'm not used to 
sitting here telling my journey, you know, <laughs> talking about myself. But um, basically, I, I started out pre-dentistry in, in college, and that wasn't the route that I wanted to do. And my mom put a um, an article about a strength conditioning coach for the Brewers on my desk one day, my sophomore year of college. And immediately, I was like, that's what I want to do. And I was always involved with sports and in high school, but nothing at, like Joe at a high level, you know, that type of thing. But um, so I ended up going and switching my major to kinesiology. And from there, I, I got involved with uh, the UWM Panther weight room because my old buddy, Steve Feldy, who's the strength coach up at Minnesota now, kind of got me started. And I, I saw all the benefits that weightlifting did um, at, after col- or after high school. And so it was really intriguing. And I, I was like, how do we give this opportunity to, to kids or how do I work with professional athletes? And that was my whole thing at the beginning. I wanted to do that. And so I contacted Tim Wilson from the Bucks and basically went in and cleaned his weight room for a few weeks. And he kept asking me to come back. And um, at that time, I was a junior in college and, and I, I was on the road to kinesiology degree. And so I'd go to school, I'd go to basketball practice with the Bucks and do the workouts. And then I'd go to UWM weight room and just tried to gain as much experience as I could uh, doing that. And then um, we got, I got my senior internship with them as well. And then they hired me after. So I was able to spend a few seasons with them. And then as professional sports are going these days, you get hired and fired. And so uh, Larry Christoyak got fired that year and they brought in Scott Skiles. And so everybody got fired and uh, I was kind of in between jobs. I was working at a fitness club in Cedarburg, Real Health and Fitness. Mm-hmm. And uh, that wasn't exactly what my end goal was. <laughs> and so um, Bob Medina, who's the strength coach for the Trailblazers, was my ex-boss's or my former, my mentor, Tim Wilson's ex-assistant. Um, and he called me up. He's like, why don't you come out and be my assistant this year? And so literally the next day I, I packed my car up and drove out there and um, it kind of all started there. And, and, and again, my boss, Tim, he was a strength coach at multiple different, you know, professional teams, but he got, you know, let go a few times. And at this, this last one, it was in 2008 when the housing market crashed and he had to move his, move out there without his family. And I kind of saw the struggles that he went through and, and I kind of said, I don't want to be a strength coach in college. I don't want to be a pro strength coach. I'm going to start my own facility. And so that happened um, in 2009 at around September, October. It was, it was pretty quick. I I figured things out. And so um, I ended up coming back that April or after the season. And um, there was this kid, JP Tokoto that I had previously worked out. Uh, He was the best player in the state at the time, Uh, real exciting, you know, athlete to watch. And I got a chance to train him. And from there, I just kind of built the business. I was going in uh, Menominee Falls weight room, and um, basically, I I said if I can get enough kids to uh, train with me, I can see if I can rent a place and get some equipment and start this thing. So I kind of grassrooted it from there, and it just kind of slowly but surely built. And uh, we had that old warehouse on Port Road. Oh yeah, we're gonna get into that. <laughs> Which uh, yeah, I mean it it had its day. But, yeah, uh, we started in about five thousand square feet, and then. A couple of years later, there was an opportunity to, to grow into the 14,000 square foot area. That's where we added that basketball court. And yep. kind of the whole um, generation of the business was there was a lot of, especially now, I mean, the market's so saturated just because there's a lot of more interest in, in performance training. But there wasn't when I started, you know, that I was, mm-hmm. I'm from Grafton, I'm from Ozaki County and there was nothing. Next Level was the only place and they do a, obviously an outstanding job with all their athletes. And so I said, 
maybe on this side of town, I could succeed here. And um, that's kind of how that whole thing went. But when you have a soul strength and conditioning place, I think nowadays with kids' schedules, it's just difficult to try to create revenue and, and build a business that way. And it kind of, it's a rock and hard place because you love training, but then you're in this business and you have to make things work. And so mm-hmm. um, kind of it, 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 it uh, kind of turned into how do we add more and how do we get kids to stay here? And we added a half basketball court and Steve Sanfilippo, the um, baseball coach at MSOE, he, he put a net and did baseball skills. And so it was almost like a one-stop shop of baseball skills, basketball skills. And then you got your performance training and I was just there to kind of pick things off. And um, that, that turned out pretty good, but again, it's still, there was more that needed to be done. And I don't like marketing to people. That was, that was just, it's, I don't like the sales aspect and trying to convince people to come and see me because we're here to help. But if you don't, if that's not something you're interested, then I'm not going to press it. So Mm -hmm. um, the way that the new building in Mequon kind of came about is it was going to be a one-stop shop. There was going to be physical therapy. There was going to be club sports practicing. And then there was going to be me right in the middle of it. And I was just able to hopefully pick off as many athletes as we could from there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's turned out to be a pretty good um, thing thus far, but that's kind of the... (laughs) the journey of, of how athlete performance came to be right now. Nice. Um, so Joel, uh, you started out, um, kind of with youth programs. How did you, cause Steve's pretty involved with CBA, uh, mm-hmm. speed and agility and stuff. Um, I know a lot of CBA players use them for strength and conditioning. How did you start your relationship? Yeah. It's so, yeah. Um, first thing CBA, um, uh, is when partnership with athlete performance from, from now on as our kids will benefit, you know, and do scheduling around our practices and they'd be going in there and, and doing their work. So it, it started probably in that 2018 range when Chloe Marauder tore ACL. Um, and I was training her um, at her house. That's how, how CBA got started. You know, just like what Steve was talking about with his clients. And he started with the best guy player with JP. And I started with Chloe Murata, you know, um, five, seven years after that. Um, but, you know, the reason that how we got started, he he got that half court, you know. And um, our relationship really took off when COVID hit. Um, that's when everything kind of. Uh, took off. He he had other people going back and forth use, using that facility, and I was still fine in the beginning, just using uh, the basement at the Marauders' house. Uh, and as clientele started to get bigger, as more people started to come through the door, um, that's how CBA started to get a brand of like, okay, I can do this. Um, but you you can't have one without the other. I I think for all kids in this business, um, you need to have speed and agility early on and you need to know what's next after speed and agility with with weightlifting, nutrition, things for your body. So when Chloe was going through her ACL, um, she was working out with me and then going to the OAP um, to work out with Steve. And what Steve does a great job is his personal relationships that he have with people. I think in all the businesses that we're in, um, when we dive into this is the, the personal relationship grows your business. 
Um, and that was the things that I was learning as I was going through this and learning from Steve and other guys that have their own business is it wasn't the star players that Steve was working with. It was the relationships that brought the star players. Um, so that those are the things that, you know, help your brand grow. So uh, fast forward during that COVID year is when me and Steve, we got, we kind of got tied of understanding like, all right, we need to space occupied. Um, he has a private, you know, warehouse where we don't have to abide by all the rules where we can try to get in there during different times and how many people we can get in there. And we used to hold practices in there. Yeah, but yeah, back for a, the roller, with, the portable hoop. Yeah, yeah. When, when that yeah. Whole thing happened, I remember all the gyms shut down and we yeah. had the only court. And um, yeah. people were coming out of the woodwork to, you know, right. per se, to, right. to come and work out. But I remember going on Facebook and looking up sport courts. Yeah. So I yep. actually found a sport court that was like <laughs> up north, like four hours away, and I bought it. Yep. And so um, it was it it was from an old YMCA. And so I sent mm-hmm. our general manager Logan up there in a box truck. He drove eight <laughs> hours, loaded that thing up, and brought it back, and we pieced it together. And actually, it it was pretty cool because we got an AP logo in there. There was all these mismatched like sport court things, but in the old, in the very first gym, I ended up having a basketball hoop on the sidewall. And so what I did Mm -hmm. is I just turned, I, I took it off when we moved into the second facility, but I took it off and turned it back around. And so that was the main hoop. (laughs) So we had two half courts uh, and, and uh, you know, all the homestead, um, the HBC stuff would yep. happen and yep. Joe, Joe would bring all the clients over there. And, but that's kind of how it started is yeah. you're able to do the skills and then you do the strength stuff. And that's kind of my whole, yep. my whole sell on that is yep. you got to have one with the other. And yeah. It was like power numbers, you know? Yeah. So in our business in his business as well is the power of numbers and the numbers kept growing, you know, and we had to make videos of how to enter the building and exit the building. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember that during, yeah. during COVID. Yeah, we had to line up. Yeah, you had to line up and little exes. Yeah. That COVID year, we had probably eight of the Milwaukee Bucks that were coming. Yes. Low-key. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I won't say names, but they were <laughs> they were coming in on their own specific hour to get their shots up, whether it be in yep. the morning or at night. And uh, the whole thing was crazy, but it, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing is like – what what Steve has done um, is he built, you know, a relationship, a rapport, like he said, with his journey of of working and training in the NBA and and started with the best player in in, in the sport, um, high school player with JP, and then started going with all the youth players, you know, and that's where your business kind of grows. And I think um, by having CBA around, um, it became more and more kids that came through the front door um, and that. That, that hit like a switch with us. It's like, okay, what else can we do now? You know, and that's how our kind of partnership started. I know we all have a lot of, a lot of pretty good questions, but I think the best thing to do is start like early age youth. Okay. That's where everybody's kind of starting. When is a good time for a child to start training? What should they be training weight wise? You know, at what age? Where should someone start? Yeah, that's a super good question. I've been dealing with that for a long time because when I first started, um, actually, when I was out with the Trailblazers, um, Bob Medina, the boss out there, actually, Chad Buchanan, who's the GM of the Pacers now, his yeah. wife had a volleyball team, a volleyball club that that we would go on Saturday mornings and work with. So I got to work with the NBA guys, but then I also got to work with a lot of youth volleyball girls um, that year. And so 
the training methods were a little different, but it kind of got me thinking, you know, this is, this is something you can really make a difference with youth athletes if done properly. Cause you can't do a whole lot with, with NBA guys or pro mm -hmm. pro athletes. You can make a difference, but you can make more of a difference with the youth. And so, you know, we probably, when we started, it was 12 to 18, what we were normally training, but throughout time, it's kind of changed a lot, probably a, a number of different reasons, but um, you know, to mitigate injuries, you have to have some sort of injury prevention program that you're on. And, um, I think there's a big misconception of what strength and conditioning is the old school way. And it's certainly changed so much since I've even been in business, but it's not just doing deadlifts and back squats and bench press, which a lot of people kind of think that is. And, um, you know, they think that youth training is is bad for you and it goes back to this study back in japan in like the 60s where these kids were malnourished and they were pulling plows and all this stuff and yeah certainly that's going to stunt your growth mm -hmm. and be a ne have a negative impact but they didn't have a bunch of data on their nutrition or what mm -hmm. they were doing and they just had oh it's it's um stunting their growth or causing injuries but it's been proven since that, you know, resistance training does increase bone density and uh, in turn it's going to prevent injuries and so a roundabout way to answer your question. You know, we started out a, a little bit older, but now, you know, depending on uh, what the kids' abilities are, we have kids that are as early as eight, eight, nine years old working out. And uh, that sounds kind of crazy, but again, I like it to be viewed as like a controlled playground. You know, we don't have kids under a bar or doing deadlifts. We have them uh, working on their movement patterns. And that's the whole point of what we're doing is movement efficiency. If you can't jump and land properly or you can't plant and cut properly, you're not get, you know, you're at risk for injury, but more importantly, you're not going to get the most out yep. of what you're doing. Yep. And uh, so you're going to be working on your skills and doing all the drills, but <clears throat> you don't have the movement patterns to make those efficient to get better. And so um, we have this, you know, long-term athletic development program that we do with the youth kids and we start them out there and then progress them and adapt programming based off of what their levels are. And so, um, that's been, that's been, uh, really good because we have a lot of youth kids. I mean, Joe's, mm -hmm. <laughs> Joe's boys have been coming oh, yeah. in and they started young and yep. it was, you know, they were like young, you know, baby fawn when they came in, <laughs> yep. you know, unbalanced. But now, I mean, you see the difference with their mm -hmm. coordination and that's yep. really what it comes down to is coordination training. And when coordination training is done properly, they, um, develop better balance and then you can keep adding to it. And when their bodies are ready, then you can start adding some resistance to it and making the program uh, more specific to them. So yeah. you start out cause my son does it too. And what I liked about it is you do something called an MET evaluation first. Yeah. So our, that's our MET assessment It's our movement efficiency test. And it's a super important test, um, for, to, for us to gauge, you know, how the athlete is and everybody at the, this doesn't happen so much anymore, but at the beginning, everybody wanted to see how high they jumped. So we'd mm -hmm. have the vertical test and do some <laughs> sort of assessment. But this protocol that we do, every athlete starts out, and we have a counter-movement jump, uh, a non-counter-movement jump, single-leg jumps, and so an RSI, which is a reactive strength index. And we have this um, power plate that we use, and it gives us a bunch of data. And based off of that data, we're able to put them in a bucket of, all right, this is a really explosive athlete. This is a power athlete. This is an athlete that we need to work on some stuff a little bit more before we get into our major programming. Um, but those are super important tests for us to start out with so that we can put them into whatever bucket program they need to do. And as soon as they get into a baseline program, 
then us as coaches are able to um you know teach them what the program's about how to do it and then we're able to get more specific as time goes by um and again that's another kind of misconception of um i always hear oh is it just a you know blanket program you know a cookie cutter program well i think there has to always be a cookie cutter program mm-hmm. at the base of everything or the baseline right. of everything and then until you know your athlete and what right. their abilities are then it's not a cookie cutter program. Then Correct. you can adapt it and progress it and make it as specific to them as, as needed. But I don't know that until I'm with them for week after week after week. And if they're not consistent, you can't do that. Right. So. I have kind of a combo question about youth um, for Joe and Steve. Um, young kids training uh, practices, right? We see a lot of coaches teaching these kids layups um, at a young age. They can barely have a shooting form. Nevertheless, know if they got to take one or two steps. Um, <laughs> what is the best for a kid at a young age? What should they be doing body wise? Should we be teaching them these layups, or should they be doing jump stops? You know, at fifth, fourth, fifth grade. You know, yeah, I, I think there there's not a wrong answer to it um, because you, you're just teaching the game at, at that age. They're such a sponge. Um, for instance, my boys are ten. They've been with Steve for five years. They've been doing this for five years already. Um, so like he said, they started off, don't know what they're doing, but now they, they get it. They got a routine. They get it. They come here three, two, three days a week. They get it. That's just the same as on a basketball court, you know, teaching one foot stop versus two foot stop. Obviously you're more powerful coming off of two feet. If I was a coach today, um, what I'd be teaching my kids is jump stops early, you know, powering up off two feet, but the game has evolved. The, the skill level is so crazy where, you know, Euro steps and one foot layups and right, right, left, left. I mean, the more you know how to do that stuff, the more advanced you are early. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean you're going to be better later. It just means that you got a foundation um, that you know how to proceed going forward. And that helps because what my kids are doing is they doing one foot hops in here. They doing two foot hops. They doing box jumps. So, the things that you see kids doing, as long as they they got some type of prevention, not just like injury prevention, but prevention of like, you know what you're doing with your body. Um, and then you can teach them more on the basketball. And then body wise, Steve, you know, with layups and jump stops, is there certain things that kids should do? Yeah, I mean, I I have a little opinion on, you know, I mean, if like my son, he's five and I'm trying my hardest to get him to like basketball, <laughs> but you know, I've got him doing, but he's been doing jumping on boxes mm-hmm. and cutting and running and stuff like that. Since he was two and three years old, I've had him just cause I'm crazy like that. And <laughs> I needed him to be with me at work and he liked seeing yep. it. And so he'd start doing that stuff, but, um, he's not strong enough to get the ball up to the hoop. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the way that I, you know, I just have him doing basic dribbling drills and yep. getting his body prepared. So if their bodies are prepared, and they're coordinated enough to make those movements, then when they are strong enough to get the ball up to the hoop or the hoops lower, right. they can do it. But um, I just do movement movement pattern stuff, you know, basic jumping and landing technique, because a lot of kids don't know how to jump or land, more importantly, land properly, right. or they don't know how to slow their body down and then speed it back up. Um, they reach for their cuts as yep. opposed to driving, planting into their cuts. So um, I guess it's a case by case basis. Some kids are more coordinated than others, but I think it's just trying to make every movement that they're doing more efficient so that they can progress in whatever sport they're in. Yeah. I think that goes back to what Steve mentioned earlier too. Like it's going to take him a while to know like what plan 
their kid falls in. Same on the basketball court. So if I have a nine-year-old, I'm going to tell them to jump stop. I'm going to tell them to finish off their left foot, off their right foot. We're probably And we're probably going to do the same similar yep. workout for the first four or five times I have them mm-hmm. to see where they're at and see what we need to do. Like, And let's say now his jump stop, like, is just plat- he's always one two when he jump stops rather than landing on one. Like now that's something maybe we could talk to Steve about if he goes and sees him. Like this movement pattern of his feet or ability is like he's having trouble doing that. Or, so you can see different things, but training wise, basketball you can't, especially at a young age, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Like they got to be able to do both and try mm-hmm. both throughout the workout. Yeah, they need to understand how to do it without a ball before they do it with a ball. Yeah, you know, I mean. Certainly this stuff hasn't been around forever and it's more prevalent now and people have been great basketball players without it. But I think mm-hmm. um, if you're a parent and you're looking to get your youth into something, I think performance training goes hand in hand with with sport training mm-hmm. if you want them to, you know, progress a little bit faster per right. se and mitigate some injuries. And Yeah, and, and coordination. I mean, it just helps with being coordinated um, with your body. Um you know, and I think that's one of the cool things about my kids is they're very tall for their age, but they're very coordinated with all the stuff that they do outside of just their practice and stuff like that. So, you know, it doesn't to, to me, it doesn't matter when you start, but the earlier, the better. Yeah. And, that, um, and like Joe, his kids are really tall and you see that. I mean, you see girl spurts happen with these kids and I've seen super athletic youth athletes coming in and then they grow five, six inches and then, you know, they're not as coordinated. And so I always tell parents, you know, the younger, the better to start them because Mm -hmm. then, you know, it it transitions more and they're Mm -hmm. used to their body as they start growing as opposed to you see the kids that grow a huge amount. I had this kid from uh, um, Menominee Falls back in the day, his name was Ryan Bross and he was like six, six as a sixth grader and he got cut from his sixth grade team. Wow. And his seventh grade team and his eighth grade team. Wow. So you'd have to look back at the coaches and be like, <laughs> what what, you, you know, he's not going to shrink. <laughs> right. Well, then he grew, he, then he grew six, seven, or he grew seven more inches. He was seven, one or seven, two, maybe as a sophomore in high school. Oh, and he couldn't God. move. He couldn't jump over a credit card. Oh man. You know? And so that, you know, but so it's case by case, but, um, if you're younger and you're still growing, I think just, you, you know, making sure you're staying up on your coordination and, and putting yourself in position to become better at that. Yeah. We started out by talking about how you guys got together and Chloe Murata was brought up with ACL. Um, talk a little bit about why, I mean, I think we see a lot of ACL tears, MCLs. What is contributing, especially on the girls' side, I think, um, what are some of the factors? Yeah, I mean, ACL injuries are a lot more prevalent within females, you know, just because of their anatomy and how their, their mm-hmm. hips are built. And, yep. um, but it, it's very interesting because I remember when I was, um, assistant coach in the NBA for the strength stuff, we never had ACL injuries. I didn't even know what an ACL injury was, mm. you know, I mean, you just never heard about it even as, a, as early as 2010, you know, mm-hmm. guys weren't getting ACLs and now you see them every season, you see mm-hmm. them in the NFL every mm-hmm. season. <clears throat> and so, I don't know the answer to that. And I've had a lot of conversations about what I think it is. And I I don't know if it's overtraining or, Mm -hmm. or the traditional strength and conditioning work that these athletes were doing was a lot more quote unquote old school in the NBA back in the day. That was a question like on the girls side, I know the girls at the high school do a a lifting program and stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's with the football coach. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not, for girls and mm-hmm. you know they're coming back with 
you know, my back hurts or, you know, so does that have something with they're not getting trained properly, maybe in the off season? Or- yeah, I, th- I think it, it does. If obviously if you don't have a good strength program, you know, that is going to increase your likelihood of potentially getting injured. But I, I just think, um, overuse training happens. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, the female athlete, there's more of them nowadays doing stuff and they're doing it earlier. And yep. the, um, tension on those joints and everything like that are happening, uh, more frequently. So in turn, that's probably going to increase the rate of those injuries. Um, yeah. And they're so much more athletic too. Like these girls are so much more athletic. They're playing more. Yeah. They're and playing they, softball, volleyball. Right. They're playing sports year round. Right. But also to the injury is the bounce back. Like these athletes now, when they tear their ACL, I mean, it's like six, seven months. They back better than they was. Oh, you want to come, come, um, come, come, come tonight and watch uh, Mary Strobel at Cedarburg. Yeah. 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 Yeah, As absolutely. Mary Strobel, Sarah Helm, she tore her ACL in eighth grade. Um, you know, all these girls, you know, then they both got full ride scholarships. Um, you know, Claire Diener at Cedarburg tore her ACL. Um, it's just like some of these girls, they come back better. Yeah. Know? And that's, I mean, that's attributed to a lot of the resources that are around now. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the vision of the one-stop shop of the facility here in Mequon is to be able to have a physical therapy side, yep. um, a performance side, and then you have the practices. But um, what I really liked it, well, we were in the MBA is you were able to have a team doctor, you had um, the medical staff or whatever, and then you had the physical therapist and then us strength coaches and the athletic trainers, and everybody would communicate about how to rehab that one athlete. Mm-hmm. And it's such a benefit. So when I came back, you know, we'd get kids that were coming in for rehab, and I'd have to call a doctor. I'd have to call a PT. There was no one area that yeah. or one person that was um, kind of doing the whole f- game flow on, of that. Yeah. Um, so now what we tried to set up is Eric Cust over at Aurora. I mean, he's great. He's he's the first contact that we get after mm-hmm. an injury. He does his assessment on them, and then he's got a really good routine. He communicates with our staff, and so we're up on everything that's supposed to happen from a rehab standpoint to progress their. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, ability to come back further, you know? Yeah. And that, that was huge for me. I mean, I tore my uh, Achilles in England and I had a great strength and conditioning coach there in England and a great PT, great therapy, uh, surgery, all of that was great. And, you know, they was just like the guy who was training me was like, Joe, you can go home if you want to, but man, I promise you, I can get you back in like seven months, like seven months. That's like unheard of, you know? And, he was just, and I trusted him, you know, it was a time where I could have, after my uh, initial surgery, I had to stay there for a while, but I could have went back if I wanted to at some point. Um, but I stayed there for all seven months. Like talk about like the relationships you build with your athletes that become like family because they trusted you through a down moment or injury that you're always there for them. And like those memories and moments help you build what you have built. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, like I said, my old boss, Bob Medina, one of my mentors in Portland, he always said, you know, the weight room's a place for uh, them to get their tender loving care, their TLC. (laughs) Um, You know, they could get yelled at on the, on the floor and whatever by their coaches, but in here, everybody gets love. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a starter or you're the 15th guy, we show everybody the same amount of love. And um, the more you work with, uh, certainly you work more with the, um, guys that don't play as much at mm-hmm. that position, you know, um, in the weight room. So you develop that because that's their way of getting their work in if they're not getting minutes. 
Mm-hmm. After games, we were working out with guys that weren't getting their minutes from a conditioning standpoint to make sure. So you develop that relationship and you kind of get in touch with them a little bit more because they, they're telling you their struggles. And that's something super important that I've, that I've brought to AP and, and certainly um, tell our coaches about it as well. But the types of relationships that we've built, you know, now it's a little bit different. I don't know if it's because I'm older and I'm not on the floor as much as I'd like to be. But when I first started, you know, I still have relationships with guys that were the Grant Menards and Jackson Webbers that were football players. And I was 25 years old and communicating with 18 year olds. And um, we developed a good friendship and they I still communicate with them and they update me. And um, I have multiple stories like that. And that's the most that's the best part about being a part of young people's lives is. They they thank me. They're like, hey, you know, yep. goal setting and work, hard work. You know, I learned it from you, and I appreciate you pushing me. And I I still have those values to this day. And that stuff is why I I got into training and coaching. Um, which I guess initially I didn't know it was going to happen. But then when you're around young people and see how impressionable they are and all this other stuff that they have these outside influences that you have to be the most positive influence on of and and uh, make sure that you're steering them in the right direction because you care for them and and that's you know coaching is relationship building and that's the number mm-hmm. one thing we do is making sure that all of our coaches are are building those relationships because that's how you build trust and if they trust you then you can progress them and and do whatever you need yeah that's how you build an empire and by by those little things that we talk about with CBA is, is the, greeting the, people. The village. Yeah, it's the village. When when they come through, they see Steve Becker or whoever one of those coaches are. They they know the village is there to get them better. Um, and that was one of my questions is like you, you've built somebody up so much um, and then you get lucky enough to travel with them. You know, yeah. you, you've been to some cool places yeah. to train people. Uh, it took you all over the country, you yeah, know, and different world, countries, yeah. you know. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So it, the first one um, was Patty Mills, and he was a rookie in Portland with me. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I didn't even know he was a player, to be honest with you, at first, because he got <laughs> injured the first couple of days of summer league yeah. practice. And so when I got there, he was just in a boot and he was in the family room one day for a preseason game. <clears throat> And I got to talk to him and realize, oh, okay, this guy plays. <laughs> and we ended up, you know, I had him in the weight room. You know, I was rehabbing him. We get, developed a good friendship. And then when I left, um, he, you know, he went to San Antonio, had a really great time in San Antonio. And then it was right before the Rio Olympics. <clears throat> he hit me up and he's like, I need you. I need you to come travel with me to get me ready for the the Olympics. And I was like, all right, that sounds good. And I, at that point, you know, I had enough staff at AP that I trusted that I could um, leave and so, yeah, I traveled um, to Hawaii with him and prepared mm-hmm. him. And then we, we traveled over to um, Australia and we were in camp with the national team and spent about 12 weeks with them preparing that. But it's taken me all over the world. And, and I always felt like, you know, if, you, if you're if you in one, one area and I put AP here, what's going to separate us from, you know, everywhere else, the, mm-hmm. the other companies that are our competitors. And my only way of getting better is getting more experience because mm-hmm. just sitting in the gym, training other athletes, you get experience, but maybe not the experience that people are like, Hey, why should I go to this guy? And so from there, I, I've been able to do consulting in the CBA, which is over in China. There had, there had teams over there or league over there, um, developed good relationships there. I was hired as the Chinese national team coach, um, for the Olympics. Uh, so I spent about, um, 10 weeks, 12 weeks in Beijing. And then, um, 
again, travel with Patty, but um, also even just recently, all that stuff happened. Think about this. All that stuff happened before guys like Tyler Hero, Tyrese, Jordan Poole, Jalen Johnson. They were they weren't even, I mean, they were nine, yeah. 10, 12 years old. <laughs> right. I remember having conversations with Tyler Hero about going and training Patty when Tyler was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And now Tyler Hero's asking Patty in the game the other night, Hey, you still catch up with Steve Becker? <laughs> and Patty texts me after the game. And yeah. It's just, it's, it's really wild um, how all that stuff has <clears throat> happened. But this, this training and this career has, has brought a lot of different opportunities and, enabled me to travel around the world and around the country doing pre-draft training with some guys. And so it's been really cool. Yeah. That was one of the things I was going to say The the, how, how cool is it? Like, um, you know, you're training, um, you train Brandon to get to, um, you know, a position to now he's one of the best rookies for golden state warriors. Um, how, talk about the process of training guys to get ready for the NBA combine to get ready for their their bodies their minds their mentally to to get yeah. ready for that stuff and, and there's different aspects of it because certainly if you're a guaranteed lottery pick they already know you can play basketball you yep. know and and so um i think if if there's outside athletes that are you know really need to work hard in that pre-draft process um to hit good goals on that pre-draft day um, so that the scouts can see them and it'll increase their draft stock. And that's certainly mm-hmm. what happened with Brandon. Yeah. Um, obviously had a heck of a, <clears throat> you know, last year at Santa Clara, mm-hmm. but um, it's not like he was going to be a bonafide first round pick when he Correct. came in. And um, so we had a plan for him. Um, Antonio Curro, you know, um, created a plan for him and hired Travis Diener and I to do the whole pre-draft training on that. And that was a really cool experience because, we were able to actually make a difference. Yep. Um, sometimes what happens with these pre-draft guys is an agency gets a hold of them, yep. Yep. and then they send them out to a place like L.A. And I can speak from experience on mm-hmm. that because Tyler Hero's dad did the same thing. He mm-hmm. hired me and this guy Drew Dunlap, who's a great uh, coach as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we traveled back and forth each week to Lexington yep. while he was still in college. And we were doing all pre-draft. We did it for like 14, 15 weeks before, before pre-draft happened. But... It was so individualized and in what Tyler needed that he went in. I remember one of the um, or the strength coach from uh, San Antonio Spurs. I knew him from Patty, and he had texted me. He said, your guy just killed our lateral movement record. Hmm. And I was like, Tyler Hero just killed the lateral <laughs> with Tony Parker and Patty and Manu right. and all these guys there. And yeah, I mean, it's attributed to we're able to, in an individual setting, work on specific things that scouts are going to look look at that are going to move the needle, you know? And in that case, you know, he was taken very early. <clears throat> There's that movie with uh, Adam Sandler where he's a, a scout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With, Actually, uh, Mike Hustler. Foster Jr. Was yeah, he was movie. in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that that's kind of what you're talking about, though, getting guys ready for the – how accurate is that? Yeah. I mean, what they're doing with that guy off – you know, in that movie, trying to get him ready for the draft. Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, I've put a lot of things together. Actually, we were out with Brandon. We were able to go see what his agency did with Bill Duffy out in, um, they had him in Santa Barbara, I believe. And so we went out there and they had all their, their potential picks with them. And again, 
you know, they created an environment where you had 10 guys there. And so all 10 guys were doing skills and then they'd kind of do some strength stuff. And, you know, it just, there wasn't the proper, in my opinion, there wasn't the proper things that you needed to really increase what your draft stock would be. But this where full circle it comes to is they want those guys there from more of a media standpoint because mm-hmm. they have their team. And so it goes beyond just the training. It's, it's the media, it's the shows, it's it's um, doing all the marketing for the athlete, and that's why I think they want them in one specific area. Mm-hmm. But if you're outside of the main guys, I think your best opportunity, your best bet is to get with you know a, more of an individualized program, and that's what we provided Brandon, and he was a top twenty pick. That's mm-hmm. what we provided Tyrese Halliburton, and yep. he was a you know top ten pick. Yep, you know or top twelve pick. Yeah, which is crazy. It was like you know. Though, and that's what brings the strength in numbers because the kids come in and they say like, oh, look at that picture. He's been training these guys. and Look at that sign, uh, you know, jersey over there or uniform. It's like it comes full circle. Um, I know, Max, you got some couple yeah, questions I think you want to ask. Just like beyond so. like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you're working on Tyler Hero, uh, Podzinski, Halberton the same idea you are working with these youth kids here in terms of mobility, they, stability, uh, or strength. Like yep, it's the same concepts, obviously more individualized, but <clears throat> the process is kind of the same. The same aside from Brandon, um, Pajinski, who I didn't work with in, um, in high school, all the rest of them, Jordan Poole, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, um, Jalen Johnson, these guys did the same exact program for the most part. They have the same starting point as all of our kids now. I'm mean, certainly our programming has changed. You know, we have a director of performance and um, sports science director in our company now that really can nail down exactly what kids need. Yep. But for the most part, these programs and starting points are exactly what these these guys have been doing for years. And uh, it's modified a little bit, and but we're doing the same type of programming and adapting to what their needs are. Um, so it's not like a special sauce. It's right. just hey, the, they they took it and ran with it, and their bodies were prepared. But certainly, you know, they're they're, they're a skill. Yeah, they I mean, a they're skill. a different breed. For sure. There. Yeah. Um, and part of that, like I'm sure, the consistency of them showing up every day. So one of, like in season training and out of season training. I think I feel that. Once it's in basketball season a little bit, it gets a little bit quieter in the weight room. Yeah. Maybe that's because they have like their own school thing, but even small Division three colleges, Division two college, they may not even have a full-time strength coach there, granted, let alone high schools too. Mm-hmm. So what would you say for in-season training, out-of-season training with like consistency? Like how, how many times should you come in in-season? Is it even worth it if it's one day a week? Like just kind of your... Take on in yeah. season I mean, versus out of season. In season is training is super important. I mean, if you if you see the good teams that are going have an upward movement at the end of the season, I for the most part they probably are on some sort of strength program because you'll see a decrease in in performance with teams after I mean sixteen weeks. Right. So if you had just worked out for sixteen weeks as an off season and you start your season and you stopped working out and you're gonna go sixteen weeks I mean, the body doesn't hold muscle, and if you're if you're practicing five days a week and playing, or practicing three to four days a week and playing twice a week, your body needs to continually do strength training. And so, mm-hmm. um, for years, I mean, it started at Grafton, um, but we've been going up and training um, basketball teams twice a week. I think is what you're doing. I think you're doing Monday nights mm-hmm. uh, before a Tuesday game, and I think you're doing a Wednesday workout. 
Mm -hmm. um, and then you have a day and uh, rest between your Friday game. And it does it's it's doesn't have to be um, too much overload, but mm -hmm. in some cases you could do overload. And I always break it into four week segments where it's like, if you're not, if your competition isn't heavy in that first four weeks, you can overload a little bit more. Uh, the next two weeks or the next phase of the next four weeks, you're probably playing a little bit more. So it tapers off a little bit. And at the end of the season, it's a little bit different, but 25, 30 minutes in the weight right. room is what you should be doing. If you're a high school basketball coach, your team should be doing that. And yeah, if you're not, I you're agree. behind. Um, so I, I believe in that. A hundred percent, and yeah. um, unfortunately, there's a lot of schools and that don't do it, and I get it because time is limited, yeah. uh, resources are limited. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what coaches should do instead of wanting to hold their their players hostage sometimes is provide opportunity mm -hmm. instead of limit the opportunity. Yeah. If somebody wants to go and train in an outside place, let them do it. Mm -hmm. Don't don't inhibit that because you want them only in your structure. Like that that stuff just doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah. I mean, I always hear this thing is um, you know, people build a bond team bonding in the weight room. Like mm -hmm. no, they don't. I mean, realistically <laughs> I they don't. No. I mean, they they do it in practice right. potentially, but you know where team bond bonding and building happens? It happens before practice. They're BSing in the yeah. locker room. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're at each other's house at night. They're yep. texting. They're do at school. And if it happens in the weight room, you're not getting a good lift. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. You don't want that to happen in a weight room. <laughs> and I get it. You want to grind together and do that, but there's other areas. So yeah, I just, I you know, that that's one thing that that kind of irks me about you know the high school um strength and conditioning stuff yeah you know, there's if you're a coach you should in, you should give the players the most opportunity and don't you know deflect what they can be doing right know, to get better to kind of piggyback off that um you know when we're talking about injuries in the game and what we're doing um to prepare a lot of times we'll show up at the youth level we'll show up to a tournament at eight o'clock in the morning and we'll jump right into just running layups right or you go to a high school game and the kids are minutes. the kids are sitting oh, yeah. on the bleachers bsing and then they go in the locker room get dressed and they come out and they're sprinting layups and then they do stretching after they just did layups <laughs> what should we be doing better to prepare kids for a game pre-game i don't think that we're doing good enough job <laughs> i i think it's a really hard situation especially when you're in a a tournament setting mm -hmm. you know you show up and you're watching a game and then you have to get on and play in the next three minutes because the tournament needs to stay on time <laughs> right. Whatever. um and i don't i don't necessarily mind uh, a layup line because it's actually active dynamic movements i think mm -hmm. the worst thing you could do is lay on the floor and start stretching that's mm -hmm. such an old school mentality i mean we were in portland <laughs> and you see it you still you see that see, all, every was, game it, it was so crazy i would I would pull guys out of layup lines with when they're going to play in five minutes, and I'd be like, you know, ISO stretching them, mm -hmm. static stretching them, and I'm and I'm like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> um, because that works against you when you're trying to get your body ready. So I, I mean, I think you know, maybe the shell drill, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's an outstanding drill. You know, just yes. movement pattern stuff, layup lines, you know, defensive slides, stuff like that are mm -hmm. very easy things. You know, you could do walking lunges. You know, just getting the body prepared to do stuff, line hops, um, you know, just basic broad jumps. But I, I don't I don't mind layup lines because as long as they're actually going through it and getting something out of it, you gotta give what you you gotta take what you're given. And if you're yeah. given a small amount of time, you gotta get that body moving. You can't lay on the ground and start stretching. Right. And what should what should athletes do 
themselves, you know, pregame maybe to prepare even the morning of or and then maybe post post game also to kind of recover. Yeah, I think the one of the biggest things is their nutrition. You know, y- young kids like to sleep as long as they can and then, you know, wake up and not eat because they're not <laughs> hungry. Right. <clears throat> but if you want to prepare yourself, you got to, you know, energize your body and be have mm-hmm. proper nutrition and that's something that we're starting to develop more at AP is trying to give meal plans and and eat this, not that, and, you know, road fuel. If you're in the hotel and there's not much stuff, what can you eat that's healthy that's going to give you the fuel necessary for the night um, before the game, for the morning, you know, the morning of the game, Um, but being able to put yourself in a position to, um, you know, eat healthier, and it doesn't have to be just broccoli and chicken. There's tons of different options out there. But um, really keep track and hone in on your nutrition to prepare yourself and give yourself the energy stores that you need for those games. And then post-game, it's the same thing. You need to fuel for the the night before for the game the next day. Um, And that's when you could do your flexibility or stretching. You know, at night you work on, there's so many mobility series out there with your hips being tight, um, you know, hamstrings, that type of thing, but you can do static stretching at night after those are all things that, that'll really help you. Um, but definitely shouldn't do it before. How, how big is, how big is ice after a game, like on knees and stuff? I, uh, I have a cousin who played at a high level in college and she wishes after every game she would ice her knees. Is that true or? You saw certainly saw it um, a long time ago. People doing a lot of icing, and and that's just to decrease inflammation. So mm-hmm. if you have inflammation, that's going to decrease it. I I kind of work on the other side of that. Is I think it's important to get that oxygen rich, nutrient rich blood flowing in in your body. So I think movement is good. Um, but if on the higher levels, those college levels, they do cold tubs and they have this um, contrast training, which is kind of starting to be a big fad right now even mm-hmm. though it's been around forever um contrast training going hot tub cold tub and having like a pump system work in the yep. body and get that acid out so um that that's really cool and i think that's what something that if you have it you should do um but again there's there's a lot of different recovery resources out there nowadays yeah so what do you think um you know i was just writing down some things that i've heard from different coaches that I played for um, and different things that I've seen different teams do from different countries. Um, For our youth players, high school players, like a 48 hours, you got 48 hours, you know, you're about to have a big weekend or you got four, two games for high school. You got 48 hours to kind of prepare, you know, what do you think they should be doing as far as meal plan, sleeping, stretching, lifting, after games, I played in a country in Japan where we had active recovery the day after a game. Um, and after recovery, right after we played, we lifted. Yeah. And I felt so much better. Uh, usually some countries and, and most high schools, they have off. They have an off day. You know, um, if they play on a Friday or Saturday, they're off Sunday. Um, I really think that after act of recovery is is something that a lot of people should do in between games and also you know for youth players who maybe have three four games in a day it's like staying well especially like some of these tournaments you play at eight o'clock and then your next game's not till four and they're going to the movies (laughs) right (laughs) keeping your body active and so what do you think that is, you know, kids should be doing in those 48 hours um, leading up into a game and the 48 hours in between? Yeah, I mean, I think 
I think the active recovery stuff you 100% need to do. I think there's, there's too many people that think you need to get off your feet, you know, yeah. and, and get off your feet doesn't, might mean you're not practicing that day. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be a definition of getting off your feet, but in my definition of, of like getting off your feet, it's just laying there. Yeah. But you shouldn't just lay there. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, certainly you need to, you get rest. But if you're playing, you know, certainly 48 hours before the game, you should be thinking 100% nutrition. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, get proper rest. I'm going to go to bed at a, at a reasonable time. Yeah. I'm going to get my eight to 10 hours of sleep. I'm going to wake up at a nice early time so you can get your breakfast and nutrition. Mm-hmm. And then you go to school and after school, they'll have their practice or whatever. Um, but weights have to be a part of that. And and some people will be like, well, I, am playing in two days. I don't want to lift. Well, it really all depends on how consistently have you been lifting? Mm -hmm. Certainly if you haven't lifted in the last three weeks, we don't want to lift a day before (laughs) a game, but if you're consistently doing it, your body's used to that. So you're Mm -hmm. actually putting yourself at a little bit of a disadvantage, my opinion, um, going into competition, by giving yourself a break because it's used to that act that recover or it's used to the you know training and the performance stuff that you're doing to keep the muscles prepared and ready to yeah um be active and if you give them a break you know certainly the body needs a time you know recovery but for the types of workouts that these kids should be doing mm-hmm. they wouldn't need a break from that if yeah. that makes sense oh yeah it makes a lot of sense to me i, I mean and we're the boys are in third grade last year and we're in a Wibble uh, WYBL championship and it's four games in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, you play two kind of back to back. You had a game in between the third and then you got a big break. Um, what we did as a family, we stayed there. We, we stretched, we brought, mm-hmm. they had the bands we were doing bands, you know, they were <clears throat> open hoop open. They go shoot. Yeah. It's perfect. You know, like you got to stay in the moment, like don't go for four hours because you got a little break to go eat and you well, know, get on the that's phone. That's what all these kids are doing, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what they're doing, and I think that's what kind of hurts them. Is like you, you got to stay active, stay in the moment, keep your body and mind kind of focused on the moment, you know. And I think uh, lifting, it, lifting, and strength and conditioning, and, and speed and agility is all a part of that moment of staying there and getting the best out of your bodies. I think these kids don't get the best out of their bodies because they, they try to nitpick on what they need and what they don't need. And the parents kind of do that too. It's like, I don't really need this or we don't really need that. Now we know that, you know, um, it costs money to do these type Mm -hmm. of things. Um, so the resources that you have, what would you recommend people who don't maybe have the means, what should they be doing? Yeah. I mean, I, again, talking to the whitefish bay kids yesterday or students, um, there's so many resources nowadays, you know, you have Instagram, uh, and it's right on uh, in your, the palm of your hand and you can go on these resources and see what people see what people are doing. So it doesn't cost any money to go and re, you know, go to a performance company because every performance company has a Instagram page and there's mm-hmm. exercises that are on there. Yep. Um, so yeah, it might take a little bit of legwork to go in and do a little research of yourself, but you can type in performance training anywhere and basketball performance training, soccer performance training. You can, you can, um, nail down some sort of program and then you just need to go on YouTube and follow that. Right. You know, like I said, there's so many different resources yep. that you can utilize. You just have to, you just have to do it. And I think that all kids should try to do that. Yeah. And I think we, we've grown as a company, your company, my company, um, this business of entrepreneurship, because a lot of people um, take the lazy approach where they don't want to invest in their own kid of looking things up and like, 
investing and honing in like, okay, my kid needs this and this. Well, like you said, I can go on YouTube, Instagram and come up with a plan. Um, if I'm going down this journey with my kid, um, because that's important for them to understand, like, no, there's a way, even though if you don't have the means to pay for it this month or this week, there's still a way to get better inside. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about your, what you do here. Um, we talked about the MET. What I like about it is when I send my child here, they come in. It's a controlled environment. You have more than one trainer here, but you only have so many people in in at one time training. So there's a lot of one on one. If you have a question, he has a sheet. He goes down his list that he does. He's got a question. There's help right there for him. And yeah, and so the way that we staff it is, um, there's always going to be at least or at the very most a one to five trainer athlete ratio. And, uh, that's, we, we cut it off at 12 people per hour, 12 mm -hmm. athletes per hour. And we staff two to three trainers on at that, at those times. We know our busier times that mm -hmm. others can jump on, but, uh, every, every athlete, we try to teach them something, teach them the program, but we're not telling them to just go do it. So they're going to understand a proper warm up because if you know the proper warm up, guess what you can do at a basketball tournament. Mm -hmm. You can do a warm up that you've learned at athlete performance or wherever you train at. And that's super important and then when they get done with that, then they go into a dynamic movement of the day. And so that's a combination some sort of lateral movement or plyometric training and and those are really important things for our athletes to know that they they that we have to do every day and and that's when coaches that's when my eyes are on them because those are those little technical um foot placements or mm -hmm. angles foot angles that type of stuff that I can make a difference with technique and yeah. that's what we really hone in on on in that portion and that's about the next 10 to 15 minutes of their day and then they jump into their strength program and that's a series of you know resistance training with explosive movements and if we do our job right, you know, we always start out with a starter pack. So the first five workouts that you come in at Athlete Performance, it's a one-on-one -on -one training or semi-private one-on-two. So you're going to know exactly how it works and make sure that we're at least making sure that you know how to move and mm -hmm. you're doing the things properly, read the program properly. And then, you know, you don't need us to sit there and, and watch you on a band slide if, we, if you've been here for right. eight, eight weeks. Then we're not doing our job. So there's specific you know, exercises and times within the program that we're bouncing around. And then when it's time for us to really coach it up, that's, that's what we're there to do. But we were trying to provide an environment where kids are not only coming in working hard, but they're learning what they're doing. They're learning why they're doing it. And if they, if they do it properly and know why they're doing it, they're going to buy into it. And if they buy into it, they're going to do it more consistently. And then if they do it consistently, then they're going to get the most out of it. And so if I tell parents this all the time, um, if you come in to us for six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks, um, by the time you're done, you're going to at least understand what exercise in you're doing, you're doing it properly mm -hmm. so that if you ever can't come here, you can go to the Y, you can go to the mm -hmm. high school weight room and at least know you're doing it safely and you're getting the most out of it. Yep. So that's something that, you know, at Athlete Performance, we really try to provide um, with everything. But yeah, we, we try to keep the numbers limited. Certainly, we do a lot of club work now with our volleyball clubs, basketball clubs. So when you have a team training atmosphere, it's a little different because we'll have one coach with 12 to 15 athletes, yep. and that's more of circuit training. Mm -hmm. um, but in that environment, you know, it, it's 
a little bit of heavy work or, you know, leg work in the beginning to get them used to what the program is. But then after a few weeks, they understand the movements and, and how we can adapt and change. And then it's a really good team. As a parent, I, I totally see the difference when I send my daughter. I mean, she's 5'4", right? That she never she never uh, gives up a loose ball. If a girl and her are fighting for a ball, she wins a hundred percent of the time. Yep, yep. But I I notice the difference. If she's here for four or six weeks, she's the fastest. She's the strongest one on the court. But then if she doesn't do it mm-hmm. for like two weeks, I see it just go away like yeah. that. So how how long does it take for a body to forget? Yeah, um, I mean it's it it does take a while. I mean muscle does you know deplete after a certain amount of time if you're not you know feeding it i suppose you know with weights weights and doing resistance training and it does leave you pretty quickly but i think it's if you were to do a measurables and start getting some numbers on it it probably doesn't decrease as much as you'd think even though from Mm -hmm. an eye the eye test it, it seems like it would be um but i think you know, that's why it's just you have to stay consistent doing this stuff because it's that much harder to get back into it when you're done. Yeah. You know, if you don't train for four or five, six weeks, how much harder is it to try to convince yourself to go back in and, and start doing that stuff? Yeah, Max, what do you guys do at Carroll um, with your guys um, with, with strength training and, and what does that look like there on a the D3 it, level? Yeah, it's very similar to what uh, it, off season is three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, in season, it's twice a week. So, we approach it like pretty much maintenance during in season. It's mm-hmm. it's not a lot of heavy weights unless maybe we have a bye week that like we'll have a bye week Wednesday where we don't play, so maybe we'll go three times a week that week. Um, but it's a lot of movements. It's not a lot of heavy weights. It's a lot of uh, yeah jumps. Uh, I mean, I'm not the expert in it, so I don't even know. I couldn't even explain half the drills. But <laughs> it's more movement based. It's specific to basketball. It's explosiveness. Yeah, it's lateral movements, it's vertical movements, not as much, but a lot of the pogo jumps and mm-hmm. like balance on it. You'd land on one foot, right foot. So we have at Carroll. I don't know if it's, I don't. It's pretty good. We have a pretty good uh, PT program there and um, and strength and conditioning program. So we each team gets a grad student that's kind of specific to us. We got been, it. We've been lucky enough where he worked for that. Uh, Taiwanese national team mm-hmm. in bas- uh for basketball over there. So he's basketball specific all the time. Um and very specific. It's it's movements. It's all basketball movement based at, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and do you think a lot of D threes have that access? It's a good um, question. I would lean no. Yeah. Maybe thirty to forty percent. I think Wisconsin given the conferences like the CCIW and the WEAC are some of the mm-hmm. best division three conferences in the country, yeah, they definitely have really good strength programs and strength coaches. But overall, I would say no. Yeah, and like you know, as we're in closing a little bit, is the journey that you've been on. You know, um, sometimes we we get so caught up. You know, we got a lot of similar mindsets how we think uh, we get so caught up in what's next right. um, as um, we can speak on what's next with, you know, your Cedarburg expansion and doing big things there. Um, but look where you started, you right. know, in that building. I mean, you were probably there for 10, 10 years in yeah. that dungeon. I uh, call it the dungeon. Yeah, we were in the dungeon I mean, for 10 years. And before that, yeah, I was a in a storage facility. A yeah. storage facility. Yeah, storage. I mean, and this for me is just like, you had so many people who didn't care how it looked. Right. It was more so about 
the experience and what they were getting and who they were getting it from. And no one never cared like what it looked like. It was more so what they were getting out of. Yeah, no, that's, (laughs) it did have some character, you know, when you didn't see light for, you know, 10 hours a day. And, but yeah, I mean, we had a ton of good athletes running through there and nobody ever said anything. They came and they work hard and we built those, the relationships with them and, and we still have people asking about the old place and they miss it and this and that. And I'm like, you know, it's nice to be in a bright new building, but yeah, the, it did, uh, it checked a lot of boxes for us and got us to where we're, we are right now. But I do have to sometimes take a step back, which I don't do often, just yeah. kind of um, understand, you know, how it's built and be grateful for all the, you know, people that have come across and all the athletes that have entrusted us into doing that. Um, you get caught up with the the rat race of trying to build and um, continue your business because it starts out as training yep. and that what you love, and then it it becomes a business, and yep. and it's kind of heartbreaking that way that I, I can't be on the floor developing those same relationships anymore as I as I once did. But the good thing is, is we have a really good staff that's able to do that, and right. uh, they do do it, and I hear it every day, and yep. I love walking out on the training floor, and people don't even know my experience or who I am or whatever. They're like, why are you talking to me right now? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry, sorry. I'll let Teddy get you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's different, but uh, yeah, it, it's funny when you look back on on where we came from. Yeah. And I think that's the cool part for, for all of us who are dreamers, who are building new things and expanding is to not forget, you know, how we started and, and the people we started with. Um, Because that, that journey of seeing some of those kids who are third, fourth, fifth graders um, who started in a warehouse, they're now over here taking advantage of this beautiful facility and I'm sure you got more things coming if you want to talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're um, what you got coming. We broke ground in December for our new facility out in in Cedarburg, um, just a little west of Five Corners, about a mile down the road. Um, Two right, blocks from my house. I oh, can't there read. You go. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, we got the the frontage road right on the Highway 60, right in front of Corb's Fields out there. And so the it's a little bit different concept out there. It's a volleyball and a futsal uh, mm-hmm. facility. So. It's actually twice the size of our Mequon facility, but the athlete performance portion of it is going to be literally a mirrored image of what mm-hmm. we have here. Um, but um, North Shore United is going to be the um, soccer club. Mm-hmm. And so then, they're going to take the footstool out of the horse barn, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's in a warmer environment now. Uh, so we'll, My kids played a few few winters in the horse. I hear hear about it all the time, but yeah, we'll have, um, it's going to be eight volleyball courts and I am volleyball is going to be stationed there. Um, and then there's gonna be four futsal courts. And so it's, it's a little different concept, but the same is here. We're going to be running, um, major volleyball tournaments, um, national tournaments, Mm -hmm. futsal leagues. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they're obviously that's their home base for practices each Mm -hmm. night. Um, athlete performance will continue to do what we do. Um, working with those club teams, we have a physical therapy provider that has an 8,000 square foot, um, clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, massage therapy, the Cedar Creek massage. Mm-hmm. Um, so Peter Rogers is the guy that's running that. And, uh, we're also going to have like a sports, um, a sports psychology mm-hmm. kind of deal too. So he has eight treatment rooms that he's going to be doing and, and we're going to have the ability to bring people in for our athletes. And again, kind of keeping that same one-stop shop feel. So, yeah. um, that'll be done November of 24 and, um, yeah, we're super excited to get that thing rolling. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool to like now that 
you know, um, you're expanding and you're seeing you're in the Waukesha area, you do things yep. there. It's just, um, just to have that support and, and the people around you to make it work because that you're, you're only as good as the people around you. 100%. Um, and now to see that, you know, kind of take shape as you're growing a, a business, it's good to see that the people that you have, that you hired have your DNA of growing it. And you, like I said, people don't even know you sometimes when you walk through the door. Right. And sometimes that's, that's a good thing because you know, your business is going to be um, taken care of. 100%. That's, that's the goal is to, if you ever have to step away that the kids still have an opportunity to do it at the highest level. And that's what yep. we're trying to provide. So all of our coaches are, you know, four year kinesiology degrees. And in, in some cases we have master's degrees, um, and so we're, we're a staff, we have a great staff right now that's able to build relationships. They've also played at a high level in their respected sport. And I think that's super important. So, um, from my standpoint, uh, this is the best we've ever been and we don't, we don't plan on slowing down. We're just going to keep it going and, and providing the opportunity for all the youth. Yeah. You know, as a coach and as a parent, I can't recommend you enough. Like I said, at the, what you've done, what I've seen with my my kids and I know Joel could say the same about Joseph Steph and stuff. Um really appreciate everything you do and it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh a lot of great information, you know, for kids and stuff and it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me and and thanks for the support. You know, I Joe has done a, a number for our business and um we just appreciate the support from everybody entrusting us in in training. As we're uh Closing up here, maybe preview next week a little bit, Matt. Did you have anything? I thought you were. Yeah, it's, it's a little little light on the boys' yeah. side. So we got <laughs> we got two girls' games: Grafton and Cedarburg next Friday. Um, obviously, a good game filled with CBA athletes, and then we got a rivalry game for a newcomer, Mackenzie Hawk from Sun Prairie. It's Sun Prairie West versus East, so that might be to close their season over there. And she's like a double double machine. So we're. Yeah. we're we're lucky to have her coming this way for the summer. So yeah. those are the two to preview for next week. I, I keep looking at just the North Shore and, you know, on the girls' side, you got the two juggernauts of Hartford and Homestead, you know. Yeah. I think they're tied for first. Or <laughs> yeah, whatever. there's a big game tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whitefish Bay and Whitefish Bay, Homestead. And on, on the boys' side, I don't know if anybody's going to knock off Nicolay or not, but. Yeah. They're tied with Homestead right That's now. That's the last uh, game of the year. Last game. game. Cedarburg just beat them. They yeah. granted, what's his name was out for, with sick, but still. Yeah, yeah, Davion. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's some great games. I'm going to the Homestead, uh, Whitefish Bay girls game tonight. Um, that should be intense game. Those girls at Whitefish Bay, those another one of the programs that took advantage of athlete performance, uh, took advantage of CBA and those Homestead girls, they're always in here too. So it'd be good to, that's going to be a battle. Another tonight. past year player, past, uh, CBA player. Is that a thousand again? No, I saw Natalie. at Homestead. Natalie. Oh yeah. Natalie. Yeah. She just. But it's just like every week someone's getting a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie just broke her thousand. And that's a kid who's put so much time into the sport and she's gonna end up being a you know, a scholarship level player too, and just to see her and th- and that growth from her. Well know, what I what great. I love about you, Joe, is like you said, these kids went to other programs and yep. uh when your past players just committed to uh, UWM and yep. you know right away the first guy on Twitter we love you congratulations Chapman yep. Basketball Academy yeah so. and that's huge I mean those, those kids and it shouldn't matter and and um, Steve can attest to this and Max it's we don't care who you play for you know because it that it's the relationship that we build with you not the team that you're on or whatever you know so when I see a kid like Madison who 
I've known since third grade, her third grade year. She built it, helped build this program. Um, you can go play for out-of-state team. I don't care who you play for. <laughs> we are proud that you've done this and you got to the point of your life to get a scholarship. That's the most important thing that all of us, because we're a part of her village um, and the program she's with now, that's a part of her village too. And I think that's important message for all the youth and these parents out there. Um, start picking sides that those that side stuff don't matter. Um, the kid is what matters and we're super proud of her. All right. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Thanks again uh, for listening to the CBA podcast.